Watching my fellow Americans with your host, yes, Colin. Yes, it's me. I'm back. It's me. Keep clapping. Clap for the ponies. How would we know that you wanted free ponies if you didn't keep clapping? Welcome to my fellow Americans. I am literally Spike Cohen. Thanks so much for tuning in tonight, and thank you for the fact that I'm back, because it's been like three weeks or something like that, and boy have I missed all of you. It has been absolutely amazing, uh, campaigning, getting over possibly the coronavirus. I think I just had the flu, but I was really sick for like three weeks. That was a lot of two weeks. That was a lot of fun. Uh, Just all sorts of fun stuff that's been going on, Uh, but I am back, and I am Spike Cohen, and with your support... I'm going to be your next vice president. This is a Muddy Waters Media production. Check us out on Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, Anchor, Twitter, Periscope, iTunes, Google Play. Check us out on Float.app. Check us out everywhere. Muddy Waters Media taking over. Check us out. Be sure to like us, follow us, five-star us on YouTube. Hit that bell. Hit the see first or see at the top on Facebook. Everything. Whatever it takes to see as much of us as possible, be sure to hit all of those applicable things uh, and share this video right this very second. The last thing that I want is for you and your closest loved ones to miss out on a roughly hour-long libertarian podcast slash libertarian campaign update podcast on a Wednesday evening. So be sure to do that. Give the gift of Spike Cohen today. Kids love it. This episode, of course, is brought to you by the Libertarian Party Dad Bod Calendar for only $12 now. $12 shipped gets you some of the sexiest men in all of libertarianism that you could ever possibly shake whatever you would shake at libertarian men. Be sure to get one of these so you can hang it from your fridge, wherever you would hang sexy libertarian men from in your domicile. This episode is also brought to you by the Libertarian Party Waffle House Caucus, the fastest growing caucus that doesn't have coronavirus in the Libertarian Party, and of course, this episode, and all of Muddied Waters Media, is brought to you by the Vermin Supreme Spike Cohen 2020 campaign to take over the entirety of the American government. If you'd like to support us and get your free ponies, free cheesy bread, and the badger, be sure to go to vermintsupreme2020.com or inbox us and let us know how you think you can help. We would greatly appreciate that. 
That would be wonderful. The intro and outro music to this and every episode of My Fellow Americans is brought to you by the amazing and talented Mr. Joe Davi. That's J-O-D-A-V-I. Check him out on Facebook, SoundCloud. Go to joedavimusic.bandcamp.com. Buy all of his discography. It's like 20 bucks. You're going to love it. You're going to love it. I'm not going to steer you wrong about music. You're going to absolutely love it. Great music. I'd like to thank Kroger. For the delicious purified drinking water. The Kroger flavored purified drinking water that I drink on this and every episode. Well, most episodes of My Fellow Americans. Bulubanaka. Gets a little ASMR there for a second. Uh, oh, shout out to Taron Turks' mom and him as always. Guys, tonight's episode is a lot of fun. All my episodes are fun, but this episode... <sighs> this episode makes all those other episodes look like garbage. I shouldn't say that. I shouldn't say that. All of my episodes are equally amazing, except for this one, which is just a little bit better. A little bit better. Just slightly better. And uh, yeah, no, this is uh, going to be a good episode. We're going to talk about the updates uh, to the Vermin Supreme uh, Spike Cohen campaign. Let me show you that graphic again, because who doesn't love that graphic? Who doesn't love this? More of this. Uh, we're going to show you some updates to that, including my recent Pound the Pavement event tour, of the um of unc greensboro and also uh and we're going to go through some of the we're going to start a thing where we're going to talk uh, about the libertarian platform i get asked a lot well okay great the zombies and the ponies and and the 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 toothbrushing and all that that's awesome but like what about what do you actually think about things and the answer is we're libertarians and we believe in libertarianism and people ask what does that mean and I gave a short answer about self-ownership and things like that. But I've been asked, like, well, what do you think about X? Uh, what do you think about Y? Possibly, what do you even think about Z? Or Z, if you're Canadian. And uh, so I figured I would get into uh, get into that uh, with this episode and start talking about... And what I'm going to do is actually go through the platform uh, and uh, the Libertarian Party platform uh, bit by bit. Uh, show what they have to say about it, uh, and then explain uh, what we have, what we think about that, and what that actually means. Um, because it's great for me to read off a paragraph and say, that's what I think. And then if you say, yeah, but what does that mean? And I go, well, let me read it again. That's kind of pointless. So I'm actually going to go through what I think uh, about that. I'll be taking any questions anyone has. Um, and uh, any questions anyone has, I might actually, I might actually turn on the phone calls. If I get feedback in the comments that you guys want to make some phone calls, uh, then uh, I will turn that on. But um, yeah, so uh, let's get started. Uh, we had uh, an absolutely amazing uh, time these past few weeks. Uh, we went to we were in New Hampshire um, and uh, had an amazing time up in New Hampshire at the primaries. Got to meet a bunch of, uh, of Tulsi people and Yang people and, and Bernie people. And, um, and that's paying off because what's happening is those people, uh, well, the, the, the Yang people and the, and, uh, especially already, but, but now we're seeing with the Bernie people are, are realizing that the democratic party's going to screw them and try to shove Joe Biden down their throats. And, uh, you know, that's a, that's a problem obviously, because he doesn't represent anything that y'all believe he's essentially a different flavoring of Donald Trump, as was Mike Bloomberg, um, and uh, and so now that you're seeing what the Democrat Party is going to give you, Vermin Supreme would like us to, would like you to know that we love you, uh, we support you, 
and uh, we present to you a uh, an amazing opportunity to give a gigantic middle finger uh, to both the Democratic National Convention or National Committee and the convention, uh, and also your your boomer grandparents. Um, we're just really giving you a chance to just piss off a maximum number of people uh, in a very impressively short period of time. And so, uh, um, so we had a good time there. Um, and then I got really sick, which was fun. It's fun to get sick, especially when everyone's talking about coronavirus. Um, so I was very sick for like the better part of a week and a half. Uh, feeling at pretty much at 100% now, so that's good. Um, but so this last, uh, or actually, what, two days ago, uh, we went to the, I was at the UNC Greensboro, uh, to help the Libertarian Party of Tennessee or Libertarian Party of North Carolina and the Libertarian Party of UNCG, uh, who is starting a student affiliate there at the campus. And, uh, basically what I did, I'll show some pictures here. Uh, I went around, oh, I guess my graphics in the way there. I went around and, uh, uh, we went around and, and basically talked to the, talked to the students there. There's a nice picture of me. Uh, talked to the students there and uh, listened to what they had to say about uh, what they thought about different subjects, um, uh, found out what they, uh, you know, what their thoughts and hopes and dreams were, uh, what their fears were. Um, we opened by asking people, we said, we, uh, we have a very simple question for you. And that question was, do you own yourself? Uh, do you think that you own yourself? And we got a lot of really interesting answers to that. Uh, everything from, yes, of course I own myself, to, no, actually, I don't think I own myself. Uh, to, um, I'm not sure. A lot of people were very introspective. Some people thought it was a trick question. Um, but no, we were actually asking, do you own yourself? Do you think that you own yourself and your, uh, and your body and, and your, your, your life and your labor and your property? And, uh, and, uh, most people said, yes, we got a lot of uh, different answers. And then we talked to them about the fact that, uh, you know, libertarians, we believe you do own yourself. We believe that there are some uh, people that are in power that clearly think that they own you. And, um, oh, uh, photos by Stephen Messina, by the way. Um, he will let you know in the comments that he did these, uh, he did these photos. But uh, photos by Stephen Messina, Messina at Messina Photography. Uh, and this was just done on my phone. So imagine what he could do with like an actual camera, which for whatever reason he didn't have. Messina Photography. And uh, so, yeah, no, we, we, we talked with uh, quite a few people there. And, um, and, uh, talk to them about self-ownership, talk to them about the things that, uh, that the goals that we have as libertarians to help, to help them and others. Uh, a few people actually wanted to talk quite a bit. We had, uh, we had some folks that we talked to for 10, 15 minutes, uh, had, had a few times that there were actually, uh, groups that formed, um, that, uh, that, you know, wanted to talk more about specific subjects. And, uh, so it was a really, uh, really fantastic event. We signed, uh, signed up, uh, probably spoke with, I don't know, hundreds of people. I spoke with probably about a hundred people, and uh, in, on that day, and uh, we also signed up. As you can see, there we signed up a bunch of people to uh, the LPUNCG, uh, and um, yeah, helped change the conversation on campus. And uh, what we've seen is that most students uh, right now are, are kind of forming their opinions about things, which makes sense. You know, this is their first time as young adults. And especially if they're living on campus or living away from home, they're really forming themselves as, as adults. And that includes their belief system. So this is the best time to reach out to them. And, you know, they're getting a lot of really authoritarian ideologies uh, thrown at them right now. Um, which is a problem because they know that the current system doesn't work. The problem is mostly what they're hearing is a doubling and tripling down on 
what has gotten us where we are right now. They know that our cronyist system has failed them. They know that they're not making much more than their parents or grandparents did at their age, and the cost of living is 10 or even 100 times higher than it was when when you know when their their parents and grandparents were their age and uh and uh you know if you look at housing it's it's in some cases close to a hundred times more to buy a home as it was when their you know grandparents who's telling them to pull themselves up by their bootstraps uh when they were that age and uh and and you know the cost of gas is more the cost of food is more the cost of education is obviously more the cost of health care is obviously more and so they're hearing uh some solutions to that that are very authoritarian, that, that, that do not address people's self-ownership. They just want to further collectivize things and further centrally plan things. Uh, and, and, you know, as libertarians, we know that that's a problem, that that makes things worse, that when you give those organizations that created this problem and made it worse, even more power, then you're going to get more of what you don't like. Um, and, uh, you know, they're hearing it from democratic socialists. They're hearing it from, in some cases, the alt-right and conservative groups. Um, but what they're hearing is the problem is that government needs to have more control of X, whatever that X is. People on the right are saying that it's, you know, the problem is, you know, a lack of, you know, morality or that the, you know, the immigrants are taking their jobs, uh, or, or, you know, or, or often proposing a lot of the same things that the left is proposing. People on the left are saying that the problem is, is greedy businesses, which is true to an extent, but it's greedy businesses that are lined up at the trough of government. Uh, and and using the centralized power that that government has has you know basically given itself uh, granted itself uh, to become rich without having to actually provide any value to the market and so we were able to have some really good really good conversations. An interesting thing that we had there was that there were probably more people there who knew who Vermin Supreme was than who knew what the Libertarian Party was, and that is not uncommon. Uh, that is, especially among students, that's not uncommon that he actually has outsized influence there. And so I actually have a video here uh, of someone that we met named uh, uh, Ava, who and her boyfriend John, who uh, knew who Vermin was right away just by looking at my pin. So I'm gonna I'm gonna show that show that video. Nice. I'm gonna get out of the way. Yeah, why don't you just get out of the way? <laughs> Uh, hey everybody, Spike Cohen here. We have been out at UNC Greensboro talking with uh, uh, the students here. And uh, two of the students that we've talked to are Ava and John. And Ava has had, we've been talking for, I mean, you were talking with uh, Emily before I came over. but About an been, hour. About an hour. Uh, uh, I came over for the, about the last 10, 15 minutes. She's had some amazing questions. Something we'd like to note that we talk about a lot is Vermin Supreme's outreach with the youth and his popularity with young voters. When I came over, what was the first thing you said to me? I like your pen. She likes, she likes my pen. The Vermin Supreme. Get it on the pen, Steve. You got the, the pen? You got the, you got the pen there? You got, we're good with the pen? Good. All right. So, you know, she said she likes my pen. And I said, oh, you know Vermin Supreme? And what was your response to that? Everybody knows Vermin Supreme. Everybody knows Vermin Supreme. Everybody. So I hope we're driving home some points here. If you want to outreach to the youth, Vermin Supreme. I didn't even have to mention his name, and I have been mentioning his name all day. But I didn't even have to. Hey, I'm doing my show. You want to be on my show? Care about that at all? She didn't give a crap. Spike, what? She said, "Oh, hi. I like your pin." If what? I don't remember your name. And uh, and and it's very clear. Is it good? Is absolutely the pick for the youth. 
uh, for the, the young voters in this country. And uh, we've been out here. We'll be sharing some more pictures in a bit of uh, all the Okay, let's do it. it. Several, a few hundred people are going to hear whatever this is. Hold on one second. We're just playing a video right now. Very soon. Spike Cohen signed it out. Team Supreme. Oh, I just realized you guys can hear me. I have a special guest whose name, hey, Kim. Actually, I'm just going to have you do this rather than have you call. I have Kim Ruff. See, it says Kim Ruff. You can't see what her number is, but I have Kim Ruff here on the phone, live on on my fellow Americans. Kim Ruff, who is was uh, uh, arguably the front runner for the presidential nomination before she dropped out and decided that I was the best possible person on the face of the planet to run for vice president. And it was so overwhelming. It was so overwhelming that she simply said, I, I cannot, I, I, I mean, I'm, I'm paraphrasing, but this is correct, right? Yeah, basically, if there was one person who embodied all the things that make a person an ubermensch, that would be you. You know, between the triple parentheses and the ubermensch, I might be confusing some people on this show. Um, so Hitler was wrong. You, it should have been you. You're the gold standard. <laughs> Hitler was wrong. This is definitely how I want the show to go. Kim, so I <laughs> I heard that you have some fantastic news for us. Uh, I don't know that it's fantastic news. It was just an idea that made me laugh. Okay. Um, so you know how some people on social media are going around saying, I miss Kim Ross. Like they lament that I dropped out of the race. Right. I thought it would be really, really funny if at the national convention... You did an in memoriam, like the Golden Globes or the Oscars. About, <laughs> it seemed like I'd actually died. <laughs> like a gone but not forgotten for Kim Ruff? Yes. Like you do a series of photos, like maybe like me playing with my kids or me even as a child. <laughs> and then like do the slow fade out. And it's like, you know, 1981 to 2019 or whatever. <laughs> oh, wow. I'm I'm sold on this idea. <laughs> I am absolutely sold on this idea. The coronavirus got me. Like, oh God. <laughs> that um I might skip I might skip that part because that might be a little too soon at that point. Um She was seeking the crown and she got corona. She got oh, Ouch. So we're we're gonna so we're gonna spitball this a little bit more before we we're gonna storyboard this a bit. Yeah, I know. It's just it's we we're definitely it is yeah. def it is definitely a thought and we're definitely going to workshop this <laughs> a, just a smidge um it, it might be recycled you never know it might it <laughs> might be it might just be um uh oh and brent de ritter says he would play the recorder to that photo montage oh my god all slow can you play it all slow and like somber oh it'd be so good so yeah. good. Can we get some? Can we get some like professional mourners? Is that a thing? Uh, according to some conspiracy theorists, yes, it is a thing. There are people. Oh, we can get that girl that. <laughs> we can get that girl that's crying on the phone everywhere. Do you know where we can find a generic-looking white woman with brown hair, please? At the liberty. I don't know how we're going to find a white woman at a libertarian <laughs> convention, but I'll certainly try. Yes, let's see. Let's definitely guess. try that. So Brent's going to Brent's going to nail it with the recorder. Brent, can you play uh, "My Heart Will Go On" poorly? Oh, 
chairs. Yeah, like out of tune, yeah. I increasingly like this idea. Not 100% married to the coronavirus part. Other than that... No, that's actually kind of hurtful because if people do actually die from the coronavirus, as there have been some fatalities, it would be really important. Right. Well, we have... Um, yeah, exactly. I wanted to make the joke about she was seeking the crown and she got corona, but that's not... Well, you've already... Yeah, that you, would be important. You, you've done that here, so... So the, made the joke. You made the joke here in front of in front of quite a few people, and uh, and so you've got that going for you. Um, uh, and then I'll be like sort of off to the side, and then I'll just be like, guys, I'm still here. <laughs> if this means you'll actually come to Austin, then yes, we'll even do the coronavirus part. Okay. Well, we'll see. We'll see. It depends on what my schedule is, but yeah, that would be that would be pretty awesome if I was just like, guys, guys, I'm here, and we just like we like shut. We keep shushing you. We keep shushing. Like, excuse me, excuse me, madam. We're trying to, we're trying to, we're trying to mourn we're, Kim Ruff here. She was very important trying, to us. Yeah, excuse me, we're in the middle of a eulogy. Yeah, can you can you show a little decorum? Was for somebody we care deeply about. Right. Yeah. Excuse me. Like, can we show a little decorum here, madam? Please. Thank you. Um, yes. So Brent says he only knows. Should I wear a brown wig and then cry myself? Oh, that would be. Oh, well, that would save. That would save that. That would save that. Matt said he can find us a generic. Matt Hicks said he can find us a generic, generic white uh, woman mourner. Um, Brent uh, Deritter says he only knows the lion sleeps tonight, which I think will work. Yeah. Actually, that's better. That is better. <laughs> I could love to hear a lean away. Yeah. Recorder. <laughs> yeah. This is I like that part. I can do. I can falsetto the the beginning. Um, and then after that, we'll do the recorder. Um, I like this is. Is, uh, Matt, is Matt Hicks gonna make like a Craigslist ad for generic white woman? Generic white woman <laughs> in ISO. Generic white woman with brown hair. Nothing weird. Let's furnish own cell phone. Yeah, nothing weird. Strictly <laughs> <laughs> platonic. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So. Yeah, no, I think that that's a great idea, and we're definitely going to move forward on that. Thank you. I'm so glad that you put me on the air with this idiocy. I just wanted to call because I was cracking up over it, and I thought it would be funny, and now people know what a moron I am. No, this is actually perfect. (laughs) This is perfect. And this just further underscores, guys, how why I need to be the next vice president. Because who else is getting calls from Kim Ruff about silliness? No, yes. like, and also important thing. like, but this is why you're better than me because you wouldn't do this. I would never, I would, I would never joke about this. No, yeah, I would, I would never be so, I would never be so flippant about something so serious, right? Right, and I would because I have a sick sense of humor. Yeah, no, my sense of humor is way less dry than yours, and um, that makes me better. Yeah. So hey, um, Hi. you want me to call you after the show? Yeah, you guys have a good show. Thanks for having me on, and uh, as always, God bless America. God oh, bless. I've never ever closed anything. Like God that. bless America. That's that's the new quote from Kim Ruff. I'm gonna I'm gonna put that up in hashtags. God bless America. America. God bless America. I'll talk to you soon. Okay. Bye, honey. All right. Bye. Kim Ruff. Kim Ruff. Jacob LaBelle, I know, she was just amazing. I miss her so much. Oh, by the way, everyone, please pray for Jacob.
who is not feeling well and we hope is just dealing with the flu. That's what we're hoping. Or a cold, really, like a really bad cold. That's what we're hoping that was. Um, but, uh, yeah. So, I have no idea what I was even talking about. Oh, UNCG. So, yeah, guys, we, we had a great, great time at UNCG. Um, really, you know, every time we do one of these events, it just underscores how important it is to, uh, to, you know, reach people, uh, where they are and, and not try to, you know, expect people to show up at our stuff, actually reach them where they are, whether it's on campus, whether it is, uh, you know, at an event of theirs or something like that, or just knocking on doors and talking with people, um, you know, it's it. That's how you have to reach people. Is is where they are, and that's how you actually make a difference. Um, so that's what we did this. Uh, that's what we did this Monday. And uh, guys, if you want us to come to your your campus, me and or Vermin to come to your campus, uh, just reach out to me. Uh, I am on Twitter at uh, Real Spike Cohen, uh, and I'm on Facebook at uh, Facebook.com/slash Literally Spike Cohen. Uh, and I would love to, or you can inbox Muddied Waters, however you're watching us now. Um, we'd love to to meet you guys. We'd love to come out, and uh, and we'd love to try to schedule that. Um, so now we're going to be doing uh, a bit of a segment. We're not going to get too far into it, um, because this is going to be a shorter show. Uh, but we're going to start doing where I talk about the... Um, talking about the platform, the libertarian platform, and what it actually means. So that when people ask us, what does you know, what, what do libertarians actually think about things? We can, we can answer that and, and not just give some, you know, basic answer about, oh, well, we believe in self-ownership, which is good for most of the time, but it's not really good when someone wants a specific about what we think about something. There we go. Um, so we'll get started. What I'm going to do is actually just be reading from the libertarian party platform um, and we'll start with 1.0 and go all the way down to, uh, eventually all the way down to, um, four point, whatever it is. Where is that? Eh, whatever. It's not working with me. It, it's, and it's going to, it'll be over the course of a few episodes and then I'll probably cut it into snippets. So that'll be something a little bit more digestible for people. Um, but we're basically talking about, uh, what we actually believe as libertarians. Um, and so let's get started with that, uh, right now. Uh, so the very first part of the libertarian platform is uh, section 1.0, personal liberty. Uh, it says, individuals are inherently free to make choices for themselves and must accept responsibility for the consequences of the choices they make. Uh, our support of an individual's right to make choices in life does not mean that we necessarily approve or disapprove of those choices. No individual, group, or government may rightly initiate force against any other individual, group, or government. Libertarians reject the notion that groups have inerrant rights. We support the rights of the sm- smallest minority, the individual. So let's say that in a little bit. In fact, let's let's go ahead to the next part of that, of what exactly that means, because it gets into each part. 1.1, self-ownership. Individuals own their bodies and have rights over them that other individuals, groups, and governments may not violate. Individuals have the freedom and responsibility to decide what they knowingly and voluntarily consume and what risks they accept to their own health, finances, safety, or life. Let's go back a little bit to what self-ownership means. A lot of people will say, well, because I'll say, libertarians believe that you own yourself. And one of the most common answers, I'll, one of the most common questions I'll get is, 
well, how do we know that? How do we know that you own yourself? That sounds good. That sounds like a good idea. But why do you think that? Why do you think you own yourself other than you would like to own yourself? So the answer I give, and it's probably not a perfect answer, uh, but what I say is this. Why do you think, we, we all recognize, or pretty much all of us, if you're not a psychopath, recognize that murder is wrong. It's bad. Why? Why do you think that? I think it, but why do you think it? And your answer might be, well, because it ends the life. Okay. Why is that bad? Why do you believe that's bad? I know why I believe that's bad, but why do you believe that's bad? And sometimes people get tripped up on it because they haven't really examined this stuff. Of course, murder's wrong. You can't kill people. Why? Well, there's a good reason for that. When you take something, and for that matter, why is theft wrong? Why is rape wrong? Why are any of these things where you are taking something from someone, whether it's their life, their body, their autonomy, their ability to choose something, their property, if you're stealing from them, why are those things wrong? Well, we believe, as libertarians, that it's because it is a violation of your ownership of these things, that you inherently own these things, and that we innately recognize that taking from those things without permission, without consent. So if I if I take something from you because you've said, you know, please have this, or, uh, oh, you know, uh, uh, if you give me this much money, I'll give that to you. Then if, if, if I'm taking something from you with your consent, that's different. It's actually really you're giving it to me. But if I take without your consent, if I am taking from you, then I have violated your self-ownership. I've aggressed upon you. And in doing so, I have created an aggression against you. And it's a coercion against you. And it's a bad thing. And so we believe as libertarians... If you, if you distill down what we believe about everything, and when I go through these different you know, parts of the platform, I'm always going to be referring back to self-ownership and why it, why it, goes, um, you know, why it goes further into, into um, you know, why that applies to what we're talking about on that subject. So with self-ownership, it's, it's very basic. You own yourself, which means you own your body. If you own yourself, then you must own your body, and you must own your life. And if you own your body and your life, well, then you should own what you're doing with your body. So your labor, the things that you do, you must own that. And if you own your labor, well, then that would mean that you own the product of your labor. If you do a certain amount of work and you get something in exchange, then you own that, which means it's your property. You own your property, you own your life, you own your body, you own your labor, you own your autonomy, your choice to make, th- to make decisions. And if anyone tries to take that from you, it's wrong. Even if... Bear with me here, because this, you know, this is a bit of a hypothetical. Even if someone is trying to take from you, who's hanging out in a fancy marble building, and writing things down on fancy-looking sheets of paper, and putting pieces pieces of metal on other people, and ordering them to go rob you, that's still theft. If you strip away the pretense and the pageantry from that, you're left with people who are engaging in behaviors that are no different than that of any other violent thief. So if I come to your door and put a gun to your head and say, give me all your money, that's wrong. We recognize that's wrong. If me and a group of five people come to your house and say, give me all your money, that's wrong. And not just give me your money. If I tell you to do anything, 
If I for, try to force you to do anything under the threat of harm, then that's wrong. If me and a group of five people, five people, 10 people, whatever, hire someone to come to your house and put a gun to your head and say, you know, do whatever, give me your money or do what I tell you to do. That's wrong. Violates your self-ownership. If a group of several hundred people hire hundreds of thousands of people to go around and enforce things that they wrote on sheets of paper, essentially putting a gun to your head if you don't, that's also wrong. So self-ownership means that authority, proper authority resides in you yourself as the individual. So that is what that means when we talk about when we talk about the what self-ownership is. So the next part is expression and communication 1.2 and it says we support the full freedom of expression and oppose government censorship, regulation or control of communications, media and technology. We favor the freedom to engage in or abstain from any religious activities that do not violate the rights of others. We oppose government actions which either aid or attack any religion. Again, if you own yourself, you own your thoughts, and you own your speech. That means that you are free to say what you wish to say. And no government, no coercive entity should force you not to speak. Now, that doesn't mean that you aren't responsible for the for, for your actions. So for example, if I say really terrible things and a bunch of other people don't like me for it and they tell others, hey, look, this guy said this these terrible things, you know, let's not associate with him and let's tell others not to, you know, to be sure not to associate with him. That's not censorship. That's you suffering the consequences, positive or negative, of the things that you say. If you say things that others find edifying or at least tolerable, then you're going to suffer positive consequences. If you say terrible things, then you're going to suffer negative consequences. Now, positive and bad are somewhat subjective. So you're free to decide, even if you, you know, uh, believe things that the majority of people don't believe, you're free to say those things. And those people are free to, to respond accordingly. This doesn't mean, incidentally, that you have the right to someone else's labor. So for example... If you're on a free social media platform or a paid social media platform and you engage in things that violate their terms and this private organization tells you, we don't want you on our platform anymore, you're not welcome on their platform anymore. The fact that you have a right to speak doesn't entitle you to their labor or their property because they own that. And so that is these are the, the basic concepts of self-ownership. Um, expressed in these different ideas. Um, so here's the next one, privacy. And it says, libertarians advocate individual privacy and government transparency. We are committed to ending government's practice of spying on everyone. We support the rights recognized by the Fourth Amendment to be secure in our persons, homes, property, and communications. Protections from unreasonable search and seizure should include records held by third parties, such as email, medical, and library records. Now, privacy. We have the opposite of that right now. It said, uh, we, we, what is it? We, we advocate individual privacy and government transparency. We actually have the opposite of that now. Government is incredibly private. We know very little about what they're doing. We often find stuff out after the, after the, the fact, um, you know, when there's nothing we can do about it. 
uh, it often follows the same, um, uh, it also, it often follows the same, uh, uh, pattern where, you know, we find out that they've been doing the same thing 10 years from now that we found out before that they had been doing 10 years before. And then for some reason we're expected not to think they're still doing that. Anyway, that's another subject. We though have to live under total transparency. Uh, if you watched my show, uh, last night, the muddy waters of freedom with Matt Wright and I, uh, we were talking about the fact that uh, there are now these geofencing warrants where when a crime is committed or a suspected crime is committed, the police now get a warrant for every bit of information within a certain square radius of where the crime committed. So if you just happen to go for a certain period of time from like Google and, 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 and all of these different platforms that you know record all of your comings and goings on these on these on these devices we carry around all the time and so there are people getting caught up in 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 warrants that did absolutely nothing they weren't they just happened to be within a you know a block of of when something happened and so you know not only are they being summoned and sometimes arrested uh uh, unreasonably we talked about two cases one a breaking and entering and one a murder um that uh uh that the people were wrongfully arrested and thankfully, were found out to be, you know, to be not guilty. But in the meantime, the government had all of their information, which I doubt they ever got rid of. And so we believe, again, if you own yourself, then you own your privacy. And so we, we believe that government, you know, for those of us who, some of us, many of us, including myself, don't believe government should exist in the first place because it only exists to aggress upon people and to coerce people and to rob people and to harm people. Its only purpose is to serve as a violent monopoly. And any of the services that it provides that are actually useful are things that would be better provided uh, in an open free market by competing providers who don't have a gun to your head forcing you to do it or pay for it. So, but for those of us who do think there should be a government, at the very least, we think that government should be very transparent uh, and that it should be uh, it should respect your privacy. You should be the one not having to tell them things. They should be the ones telling you everything that's going on. And of course, if they weren't able to be private, they wouldn't do half the stuff that they're doing because we'd know about it and would demand that they stop. Oh, Fotini, you're asking about uh, about uh, presumably about abortion. We're actually going to be getting into that shortly. Um and uh, uh, on on not this next one, but the one after that. Um, 1.4, personal relationships. Sexual orientation, preference, gender, or gender identity should have no impact on the government's treatment of individuals, such as in current marriage, child custody, adoption, immigration, or military service laws. Government does not have the authority to define, promote, license, or restrict personal relationships Regardless of the number of participants, consenting adults should be free to choose their own sexual practices and personal relationships Personal relationships until such time as the government stops its illegitimate practice of marriage licensing. Such licenses must be granted to all consenting adults who apply. The easiest way to deal with this is for government to not be licensing marriage. The roots of marriage licenses were originally, and it depends on the country because they happened at, at different times for different reasons, but the two main things were to make sure that high-born people, people in the aristocracy, did not marry low-born people, commoners. And so in order to be approved for a license, you had to demonstrate 
that they were in your same class. Other times that it was instituted was to make sure people of different races didn't get married. So they would actually verify that you were both white or that you were both black or you were both whatever. Or at least that you weren't, that if you were a white person, you were marrying another white person. They may not have cared if a black person married a Hispanic person, uh, but they definitely cared uh, if, a, if, a, if a white person uh, married another white person uh, or wasn't marrying another white person. There's no reason for government to be licensing marriage at all. And by just removing marriage licenses completely, it does away with any, you know, for those who have religious objections to, uh, you know, to, um, you know, to uh, 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 same-sex marriages or polygamous marriages or, or any of these, these, you know, different types of, uh, you know, different types of marriage arrangements that, that people might have objections to. And don't, don't want their taxpayer dollars paying for licenses to be granted for them. Okay, great. So let's just get rid of marriage licenses. I mean, historically, there weren't marriage licenses. You got married. Marriage was a, a way for families to build resources together. We've turned it into a romantic thing. Do I want to go down that wormhole about marriages? Yeah, probably not. Anyway, uh, whatever reason you choose to get married, there's no real reason for government to be involved in it at all. So there's there's just no reason for that. Um, and so we're going to, we're going to do the abortion one. And then I'm going to probably just answer your questions and then, uh, we'll be wrapping up the show. This is going to be a a shorter show, um, because I have to get on a Vermin Spike 2020 campaign call, uh, because we've got some big stuff coming up. Uh, but I'm going to talk about this last one, then I'll answer the questions and then I will, I will be signing off. Uh, so, um, this is really a prickly one abortion 1.5 recognizing that abortion is a sensitive issue and that people can hold good faith views on all sides we believe that government should be kept out of the matter leaving the question to each person for their conscientious consideration now this is going to be a long one so let me do a marco rubio and drink some water because my lips are going to be, my mouth's going to be pretty dry after this one. See, during the show, I usually drink water while the guest is talking. But I don't have a guest. So I'm just drinking the water and looking at, I'm going to look at you this time. That way we're all both uncomfortable. Anyway, so let's talk abortion. Everyone's favorite subject, guys, abortion. It may not surprise you to know that this plank in the platform makes everyone a little upset. Well, not everyone, because it doesn't actually bother me. But uh, it makes a lot of people really, 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 really upset. Because it's about abortion. And depending on where you fall on the abortion debate, it is either a question of an unborn baby being murdered or not, or a woman being forced uh, to carry, uh, you know, a, a, a lump of cells or not. So there's two debates here. And, yeah, there's two debates here. And one is the question of personhood, and the other one is a question of burden and obligation and responsibility. And whether someone can put that on someone else. 
So we got some unpacking to do, and I know everyone is going to love me way more after I get into this. Everyone is, no matter what you think. Because that's my goal, is to make everyone love me. Because that's how you get elected. So, okay, first, abortion. Personhood. We are incorrectly told that this is an issue of life. It actually isn't, and I'm about to explain why. When you hear... Uh, that someone is having their, I don't know, kidney removed or some organ removed because either it's cancerous or it's diseased or whatever. You never hear anyone say, you can't do that. That's a human life. It is actually human life. It's living while it's still a part of your body. It is human by DNA. But the reason you never hear that is because it's not a person. It isn't its own person. It is an organ, right? And so because it's an organ, we're not worried about it. It doesn't think, it doesn't feel. It is only a part of a larger organism, a person in this case. And so because of that, it doesn't own itself. It's a part of you that you own. And if someone tells you, hey, you shouldn't have this organ anymore or this piece of flesh anymore, we should probably get rid of it. Then you say, okay, that's fine. And no one has a problem with it. So this is not a question of life. It is a question of personhood. Or it is partially a question of personhood. So the question becomes, when does personhood begin? Well, many uh, people that are religious or people that are, uh, even, even some people that aren't religious would say personhood begins at the very moment of conception. Now, the reason they would say that is because that's when a separate human life actually begins. And we know that because when a, uh, when, when a conception happens and when the, uh, the embryo is, uh, uh, when, when, when it becomes an embryo, when the egg is fertilized, it actually has its own distinct uh, human DNA. So we know that life begins then. Now, is it a person? Well, I have noticed a common thread So the question of, let's step back, the question of when personhood begins. The most extreme people on the, let's call it the pro-life side, uh, are, uh, would say that it begins at the very moment of conception for the reason I just said. The people that would say that it begins, I don't know, after birth, you know, once it's, once there's a birth or once the parents sign a birth certificate, whatever. The ones who say, you know, it happens basically when the parents decide it happens, that would be the other extreme. So let's 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 delve into those extremes. If it begins at the moment of conception, we aren't behaving as though it does. So for example, it is not often, sometimes it happens, but it is not it is not often that if someone has had a very very early miscarriage that they have a a funeral. Why? I've noticed that a lot of pro-life protesters tend to protest at abortion clinics, but not at fertility centers, where at some cases, hundreds as many, hundreds of times as many embryos are being destroyed as in the abortion clinics where, where fetuses are being destroyed. Why? I would argue that it's because, whether they want to admit it or not, the people on the pro-life side are inherently admitting in their actions that there is at least a degree of difference in the personhood of a newly formed or recently formed embryo and, say, a second trimester fetus. 
If it wasn't, then I would argue that they wouldn't even be bothering with Planned Parenthood because so much more is happening at the embryo stage. On the other side of the argument where we're saying, oh, uh, it, it, it's whenever the parents decide it's, it's, at, the po- it's at the point of, of birth, let's say, that, that it's, it's now a child. Up until then, it's just a piece of the mother. Well, then why do a lot of people refer to that fetus inside of them as he or she, give, give the, the fetus names, reveal its gender, start buying clothes for it? A lot of us aren't acting as though it, and I'm saying it because I don't know gender. Uh, I'm saying hypothetically this 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 thing this this fetus. We're acknowledging that we're not acting as though it's not already a person. It's just not out yet. Most of us are not acknowledging that it's a person yet. So, what that means is that for the vast majority of us the spectrum of personhood or the very moment when we can say personhood begins and this is an autonomous person who has self-ownership is somewhere in between there. Where? I don't know. I actually don't have a very solid opinion on it. I've heard a lot of different people talk on the subject that it happens when the heartbeat starts, it happens when brain activity starts, it happens when they can start feeling things, it happens when they start kicking, what they call the quickening, when when movement starts happening. Um, I don't know. I do know that I don't feel strongly enough about it to impose my will on someone else. There's a second question, and that is a burden and obligation. Let me give you another example. Let's say that there's a person who uh, is living in your home, renting your home, and they are very, very unwell, and they can't afford to pay the rent. They can't afford it. They are so unwell that moving them would more than likely kill them. Let's say it would kill them. They are very, very behind on rent. You're about to lose everything. You're about to lose the home if they don't pay the rent. If you let them stay there, they could end up living several more months or years or or, or anything else. They, they could end up living a, a, a much longer period of time continuing to not pay you rent. Well, what do you do? Do you have an obligation to let them stay there. Now, a lot of you are probably answering, of course I'd let them stay there in this hypothetical that you have no skin in the game. There's a different question as to whether you would say that right now, hearing this terrible example that you don't actually have skin in the game, and whether you would do it in a situation of where you need that money, where you actually need the money and are paying out money and are going to have your life ruined if you continue to allow this person. Um, Here's another question. If you are obese or have diabetes or have some illness that leads to a much higher rate of miscarriage, are you obligated not to get pregnant because of the higher risk of miscarriage? And if not, why not? Again, this is you know it's going to happen or you know it's very likely to happen. Or let's say you've already gotten pregnant multiple times and miscarried every single time, and you just desperately want a child. Well, 
if you know what's going to happen, or you know it's very, very likely to happen, how are you not, if you have an obligation to carry a child to full term, how are you not committing manslaughter? You know what's going to happen. You know it's very likely to happen. So should we be forcing women who are very, very unlikely to carry to term to stop trying? Should we not let women implant with embryos to try to have an in vitro fertilized uh, 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 pregnancy with the idea that all or most of those uh, embryos likely are going to die? There is more question here than the basic question of at third trimester, should women be able to have abortion? There are multiple questions here about personhood, about obligation, what you are obligated to another person. Are you obligated to give your body to another person if their life relies on it? And I don't mean morally obligated, do you believe because of your ethos that you should do it? That's a personal choice. I'm saying, should other people be able to require that you do this? I would argue they do not. Now, going back to the Libertarian Party platform. We recognize that this is a sensitive issue. We recognize that people hold good faith views on all sides of this. Pro-life people are not trying to control women. Pro-choice people do not want to murder babies. We recognize that they see these things vastly differently. Their worldviews are based on a completely different conception as to whether or not this is a good thing. And because there is zero consensus on this subject, because this is not as cut and dry as, for example, you can't murder an adult or a child, or you can't rape someone, because it is not as cut and dry of a subject of bodily autonomy because there are multiple bodies that are connected to each other involved here. And because there's no consensus on that, then we believe that, and I'll go even further than this, this is not just we believe that government should be kept out of the matter, leaving the person to each question for their conscientious conscientious consideration. I believe that everyone should be out of the matter, because it's not your body. And the fetus inside of you the fetus is not inside of you. It is not really your business to the extent of forcing someone to have a positive obligation to someone or something else. So that's a good one to leave people on uh, tonight. Let me go through the comments here to see just how much I'm being scathed about this. Um, let's see. Uh, oh, I knew this would happen. Uh, I've been asked about if, oh, so I've been asked, Michael Ritz says, when does life begin? Uh, life begins uh, as soon as it exists. That's not the question. It's abortion. It's uh, the question of personhood. Um, Brent Ritter says murder is bad because your life is your most valuable property. That's correct. Um, it is yours and you own it. Um, uh, Michael Ritz says, but when one murders, they give up the right to their own life. That's a questionable one. Uh, and uh, I would say that would be left up to individual voluntary communities to, to decide their standard of how to deal with something like that. 
Uh, we just saw with the execution of um, uh, Nathaniel, Nathaniel Woods last week where he was executed for murdering three cops. Even though he didn't shoot them, the shooter said he had nothing to do with it. Uh, and uh, the jury was not allowed to hear that. Um, and in fact, the only evidence they actually had was the surviving officer saying that he swore at them earlier in the day, which means he was effectively executed for swearing at police officers shortly before they were shot by someone else. I would argue that government has no business deciding uh, who should be living or dying. Um, let's see what else. Uh uh, Fotini Henderson says, I just thought of something. I can part out my second kidney for money. Money, why can't we sell ourselves? Sex workers send out, uh, rent out their bodies. Uh, the most strict application of libertarians, libertarianism, Fotini, is that uh, if you have something and want to sell it, you should be able to do so. And in fact, there's a whole question about uh, how much more availability there would be for organs on the market if people were allowed to sell their organs upon their death how much more incentive there would be for people to actually say that they'd like their organs to be donated if they actually knew that their their heirs and assigns would, would get organs for that. Um, I argue there would be much more availability. Thankfully, with science and stem cells, we're probably soon going to have post-scarcity when it comes to organs. But in the meantime, we don't have post-scarcity. There's a lot of people that I know walking around waiting for an organ that they may or may not get. So I would definitely argue that. Um, let's see what else. Um, can we use our phones as decoys for alibis? I, I saw a thing, uh, where a guy said he would bake cookies shaped as phones and yell into them. And then when the police pulled them over, they'd say, oh, you don't like cookies, but it turns out, uh, they'll probably still ticket you because most of those have distracted driving. And if you're screaming at a cookie, they might argue that you're distracted. Uh, I would love to see that one challenged in court. Uh, does government have the, Oh, here we go. Does government have the right to license adulthood? Um, uh, regard, I guess regard, regarding age of majority. So this is a fun one to talk about. I think this is somewhere in the libertarian platform, uh, that we can discuss, but I'll go ahead and answer this. Um, this is a really fun one uh, because it's hard to talk about this without either sounding like you're trying to control everyone or that you are, you know, you support pedophilia. Um, I will say this. I think we all acknowledge that, for example, a 50-year-old having a sexual relationship with a 10-year-old is bad. Like, we all recognize that's bad. Um, and in and And for those who... Don't, uh, and we'll start talking about how in the past, uh, you know, there were, you know, people marrying people at women at 12 and they're in their forties and it's their fifth wife. Uh, this was also putting aside the, the, the barbarism that of that, uh, these were also at times when, uh, it was a lot harder for humans to live past childhood and they were just trying to keep their family tribe nation whatever going and so it was all hands on deck in terms of reproduction uh that's also a reason why uh homosexuality was looked down upon because that was a man or woman uh who wasn't contributing to reproduction it's also why uh uh you know it's it, it's why a lot of these things are, are are based around maximizing reproduction we don't live in that kind of era anymore and we focus more on uh, uh the ability for someone to make decisions for themselves 
So again, now that we live in the in the in the, in the modern world, we can say that fifty-year-olds uh, shouldn't be in sexual relationships with ten-year-olds uh, because the ten-year-old is not in a position to make those kinds of decisions for themselves, and there's definitely an imbalance of power there where a fifty-year-old is. I mean, it's rape. It's rape. Um, I would say most or all of us can recognize that a 40-year-old with a 13-year-old is bad. I certainly do. And I'd say most of us can recognize that a 30-year-old with a 14-year-old is bad. 20 and a 15-year-old. I think there's probably something wrong there. Um, I would say there's something wrong there about 20 and a 16-year-old. I'm not a big fan of that. 20 and 17 year old, I'm having much less difficulty with that. What about a 19 and a 16 year old? What about a 25 year old and a 17 year old? What about a 18 year old and a 15 year old? What about a 17 year old and a 14 year old? These are ones that get a little hairy and we aren't comfortable talking about, which is why I'm bringing it up now. The, the, and, and, and we see that there is not a lot of consensus on these more you know, vague gray areas, which is why every almost every single state in the union has completely different laws when it comes to age of consent. We see that there's an arbitrary nature to it. In my mind, and this is not a perfect solution to this by any stretch of the imagination, in my mind, these are questions that are best left to smaller and more localized communities who can set these standards for themselves. With the idea that is there going to be abuse? There will probably, unfortunately, be be abuse. We see abuse now. We see government protecting pedophiles. So clearly that model didn't work. If there is a community that says, until you are the age of 18, you should not be engaging in sexual relationships. If you are a 19-year-old with a 17-year-old, that is rape. I see that as awful extreme, but if they want to decide voluntarily that that's the way the standard they want to have, well, then that's the standard. That's the standard they want to have. If there's a group that says twenty with fifteen year old is fine as long as the fifteen year old is able to, I don't know, drive or something. I, I, I don't. I, I'm not even sure what the standard would be there, honestly, um, because to me, twenty and fifteen is starting to. Uh, I actually have a pretty high standard on this for for um, twenty and fifteen. To me, I, I personally don't find acceptable. Um, and I'm, you know, I'm sure there were examples where that might've been fine, but I I have a very, I'm not okay with that. And, and so this is a tough one to talk about because there's a lot of stuff I'm not okay with, but a lot of other people are okay with put it this way. If I were divorced, I wouldn't, can't picture myself being with someone under, I'm 37, going to be 38 this year. I can't picture being with someone under 30 at this point. Maybe late 20s? I don't know. Early 20s? I don't see it. I certainly can't think legal teen and then this other stuff is just... I I find it completely distasteful. Um, so just letting you know where I'm from on this personally. 20 and 15 year old? <sighs> this is a really, really, really thorny subject. I will say that I think that in general, this type of thing is best handled by more localized communities that can set their own standards um, with the idea that I think there are very few punishments for pedophiles 
that I wouldn't be okay with if we know beyond a reasonable doubt that they did it. That's my personal opinion. Um, someone said, Ken Radner says, hello, all you Nazis. That's an interesting greeting. Um, Fotini Henderson says, eviction, that sounds like uh, human property. Your body is your property. Your body is your property. If there's another person in your property, they're occupying your property. And there is a question of whether or not you owe them a positive obligation. And if you believe that you do, you have every right to conduct yourself that way. So, um, let's see what's here. Um, Jacob says, this is super deep. I'm just going to give my kids a hug. And Jacob, I hope you feel better. I really do, man. I really, we're, we're, we're rooting for you here. Um, uh, Fotini Henderson says government shouldn't police morality, but murder is a state interest. Well, I mean, again, talking to me, I don't believe that anything is a state interest. When I talk about enforcement of standards, I'm talking about by voluntary communities. Um, again, there is consensus that an adult killing a child or an adult killing an adult or, or whatever, that these are separate autonomous human beings. Um, not so much when it comes to a, a, a fetus or unborn child, if you will, inside of another human being, it becomes a lot more thorny, both on the question of personhood and on positive obligation. Are you, do they, does someone else have a, an obligation to give their own property to someone else? So, um, uh, Michael says, who gets to decide what counts as murder in a libertarian society in any society standards are set by consensus. And, um, that would be no less true in a libertarian one. Um, any, uh, uh, you know, <laughs> there are many religious people who say there is no such thing as consensus or subjectivity on, on morality. Morality is objective because it's written right here in my book that tells you what is objective. Okay. Fair. That's fair. Let me ask you this. Show me a religion or even a sect within a religion in which there is total 100% agreement within the people of that sect, uh, denomination, religion, on what that book actually says about a specific subject. If there is not, then even within that book's objective writing, there is subjectivity. Because there is not a consensus. You may believe it's objective because you know what you believe on it. But if there's anyone who follows that book who disagrees with you, uh, much less multiple different competing parties, uh, uh, which is why most religions have sects and denominations, because they can't agree on what that same book says. And even that's subjective. It's subject. It may be objective to the author if you believe that your deity wrote that. It may be objective to them, but to us interpreting it, clearly not. These are all interesting conversations. I'm pretty sure that's not covered in the libertarian platform. That's just me giving my opinion. Um, what else here? Um, a lot of the extra wives were marrying other men's wives who died in war so as to help take care of the community. That also happened as well. I mean, there, we are applying, especially when we start talking about um, older people marrying younger people and immediately having children with them because they've reached puberty. Again, this was like all hands on deck stuff. This was, if we're going to survive as if extended family, as a tribe, as a whatever, 
everyone has to be constantly making kids. Thankfully, we aren't in that situation anymore for many reasons. One of them is that we can actually examine things like consent and autonomy. Um, because I can tell you right now, a 12-year-old that is forced into a marriage with a 40-year-old and then is immediately having kids is clearly not being allowed their autonomy. It's arguable that that's why we all exist because of those types of interactions happened back then, that that's why entire bloodlines weren't wiped out. All of that aside, we thankfully have been able to progress as a society into being able to respect people's uh, bodily autonomy. We now have a good number of people and uh, are, are, are more than meeting replacement rate as a, as a human species. Um, uh, Michael Ritz says the equation is age plus seven divided by two. Yeah, I've, I've heard that one. And, and, and when I've applied it, that usually, uh, if that's the same one that I've seen before, I believe that usually when I see that, how that ends up uh, uh, playing out, I'm, I'm usually okay with it, but there may be some that aren't. Um, and, 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 and so, you know, I, I think it's best handled that way, but, and, and again, every state has a different standard. I, I, I'm trying to remember if that's the one that, well, no, cause age plus, okay. So if I'm 38 plus seven is 45 divided by two is 20. Two and a half. I can't even imagine wanting to be with someone that young. But again, that's me personally. Like, I, I, I couldn't... Like, that would just feel so weird. Anyway, whatever. Um, Mark Andrews says, maybe sometimes we just need to be pragmatic and not idealistic and just pick an arbitrary number like 18. And that's what often happens. But here's the problem. What about a 19-year-old and a 17-year-old? What level of punishment are you prepared for that 19-year-old to get? I mean, is that pragmatic? I guess so. But tell that to the person who's in a cage and put on a, on a, on a sex offender list for the rest of their life. I would argue there has to be some kind of flexibility there or some kind of scale of offense at the very least. Maybe we don't like 19 and 17 but, you know, it's just a fine or something. And how do we enforce that? Like, there's a lot of questions here. Um, uh, we, we just saw where someone who was 17 and in a consenting uh, um, age divided by 2 plus 7. So, okay, so 38, 19 plus 26. That sounds a little bit better. I mean, again, I can't even picture a 26-year-old, but that's just more like I don't know what I'd have in common with her. It's not like it's I find it creepy. Anyway, um, yeah, I mean, these arbitrary numbers, we just saw where someone who was 17 and in a consenting success, uh, sexual relationship with a like a 24-year-old or something, he's like suing her and, you know, saying that she, you know, molested him. Okay. Um, anyway, so this was fun. It's a fun conversation about abortion and age of consent. Check me out next week where we talk for an hour about circumcision. We definitely will not be doing that. Um, but no, these are good conversations to have. I wasn't having them at the college, uh, but they were good conversations to have. So I'm going to wrap up uh, and say one more thing. Wash your hands, please. I have been incredibly distressed 
by the sheer number of people that I've heard from the past few weeks, well, a few days especially, last couple of weeks, who have just really shown a tremendous amount of, amount of distress about the fact that they couldn't find any hand soap or sanitizer. To which I, I asked, do you have any now? And people expressing distress at the number of times that they're expected to wash their hands in a, in a day. That they can't touch their face after hugging people and shaking hands and touching things that other people have touched. And Maybe I'm more fastidious than I thought I was. But goodness, guys. Like, let's just start washing our hands. Like, it shouldn't have taken a novel, highly virulent virus for you to wash your hands. Because there's other diseases that you can get that some are even worse. They're more common, but they're, like, worse. Like, there's a lot of them. Just maybe wash your hands. I, I don't, I, I was just, this is, I'm not sure what to say here. I don't think this is a Jewish thing. Is this a Jew? Is this like a Gentile thing? They're not. Well, I don't think so. I, I don't. I don't. I don't believe that's the case. I, I think this might just be individuals who didn't learn the "wash your hands" song. So anyway, just please wash your hands if you're going to be around other people. Please. Please, please, please. Do we decimal? You can wash your hands. I've been living a lie. Yes, please do, actually. Um, Brent says, like, wash them on a regular basis, not just a pandemic. Yeah, like, like after this passes, because it will pass. This disease will pass. It's, it's. Uh, I think that it has a fatality rate that is south of 2%, um, because I think there's way more people that have it that just aren't expressing symptoms uh, and probably never will, which is good. Uh, but it also means that a lot more people have it. Um, all this to say that... Uh, it will eventually pass. Everyone will either get it or end up inoculated to it. There's possible that there may be some people with it, uh, some kind of genetic immunity, although that's very that's less com- possible because it is a, a an animal derived uh, illness uh, that has not become a human one and has not evolved into being a human one yet, like the cold and the flu have. Um, so it's very unlikely that anyone is immune to it. Um, but regardless. There will eventually be a vaccine. Hopefully the people that do uh, contract it uh, end up with a very long immunity, like five, 10 years, like uh, similar to like the measles, as opposed to uh, the flu, which only lasts for, you know, like a year or a season. Um, so hopefully, hopefully, you know, th- this will pass. Most of us will survive one way or another. Uh, I think there's going to be some severe panic, possibly an economic depression that it triggers, uh, but we are going to make it out. Um, but... Just keep washing the hands. I don't want you to have to pretend everything around you is just swimming with coronavirus, just lousy with COVID. But maybe, maybe just do that for a week. Just develop some new habits. You know, they say that a, a habit is something you've done. I forget how many times. Michael, maybe you have that equation too, equation too about how many times you have to repeat something before it's a habit. Um, do it that number of times. Like, just please wash your hands. And your body. Like, wash your body, too. 
Wash your body. Um, let's see what he's here. Michael Ritz, uh, do you think the scale of reaction to this virus is warranted considering the economic damage that has occurred? Depends on who you're asking. I think that most people alternate between apathy and panic. Uh, our normalcy bias leads us to say, oh, everything's fine. That could never happen here. We see it happen in China. Oh, well, that's China. That could never happen here. Then we see it happening in Italy, South Korea. We say, yeah, but that could never happen here. Then we see that it's happening in Washington and on cruise ships. And we say, well, yeah, but not here. And then we see it's happening in New York City and Seattle. I already said Seattle. Anyway, we see it's happening closer and closer, more and more. And we go, yeah, but that could never happen here. And then we hit a point where we go, uh-oh, time to go buy all the toilet paper and hand sanitizer and milk and bread. Surely I'll be okay. And they freak out and people start panicking and losing their minds. And then when it looks like things calm down, people go, oh, good. I'll never have to worry about this or anything like it ever again because that could never happen here. Not again. So these are coping mechanisms. They're not very good ones, uh, but they do exist. Uh, so your question, do I think the scale of reaction? I think the government uh, completely botched this. I think the government completely botched this. Uh, there was this idea that it could be kept from coming here even though there were already people here that have it, even though it can live for like a week and a half on surfaces in, in ideal conditions. But even in not ideal conditions, it can live for like a day or two, as opposed to the flu, which even in the best conditions, I think can last like 12 hours and in typical conditions lasts about 15 minutes. It lasts a long time on stuff. Someone can sneeze on something in ambient temperature and it will still be alive on that thing it sneezed on. They sneezed on a couple days later. It can take up to 14 days for people to have any symptoms. And unlike some of the other coronaviruses that are similar, they can start spreading it before they have symptoms. So they can touch something without any symptoms, never even having any symptoms. Touch something. Someone else touches it, and then they touch their face, and now they've got it. So it is a very... Tom Hanks has coronavirus? Goodness. The, 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 the vice president of Iran got it. I think the Pope got it. They're saying he didn't get it. He got it. Um, all this to say that... Oh, and so... What you're also experiencing is the fact that we were on a very, 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 very big bubble, not just in the market, in the stock market, but in the economy in general. We have had effective negative tax rates for a really, really, really long time. And this was just the perfect thing to just force everything to slow down and make everyone go, uh-oh, this economy isn't as solid as we thought it was. So I think... Depending on what we're talking about. Uh, oh, by the way, we're being told, you know, what is it? Maybe a thousand people in the U.S. have it. That's because that's who they're they're only testing a handful of people. If 700 people had it on the Diamond Princess, Princess cruise ship, one cruise ship, I'm telling you, 
well more than a thousand people already have it in the U.S. I'm guessing that something like a hundred thousand people or more already have it in the U.S. And the reason I'm saying that is because the U.S. combined is testing, I think, like as recently as a week or so ago, like a thousand people a day or something like that. And a lot of them are coming back positive. I think if they were testing everyone right now, or at least everyone that was sick, I think we would know way more people have it. And again, those are just the ones that are sick. 80% of people have little to no symptoms. So I'm thinking we might already have a million people that have it. The good news is that means it'll spread faster. We'll realize that most people that have it are going to be fine and there won't be as much panic. The bad news is that the hospital system uh, isn't even close to being able to handle that many people getting it all at once. And so the idea of containment is that you keep the amount of people who have it at any given time, you let it, you try to make it more of a slow burn by keeping people away from each other and try to keep the number of people that need hospitalization down as low as possible. That keeps fatalities lower by not forcing people to not be able to get to the hospital and by also not, you know, uh, uh, leading to a higher rate of, you know, sloppy things happening at the hospital, which leads to healthcare workers getting sick, which means now there are even fewer people that can help people, blah, 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 blah. By not testing people and by instead focusing on, we're going to keep it away from our borders, even though it was already here, and we know it can be spread without anyone even knowing it, that was a major, major tactical error. So I think government, as government is wont to do, completely botched it, completely screwed the old Corona poodle there. And I think a lot of Americans are either freaking out or being apathetic to it. And there's very little in between to it. Uh, so I don't, I don't know what to tell you. Uh, you're saying, um, uh, we can't produce the test kits fast enough to test everyone because we started real late. Test kits have been available since like the end of January or middle of January. So there was some botching here. And I'm not saying, oh, this is Trump. This would have been fine if Hillary had been president. I'm not saying that. I'm saying the government did some bad ideas. I think Trump said some stupid things, but I'm not sure how much that's affected actual policy. I think the government got caught flat-footed because this illness is a perfect storm. Thankfully, has a low... If this If this had a higher fatality rate, it would be like the movie Contagion already. It thankfully has a, a, a fairly low uh, fairly low fatality rate. Unfortunately, it's pretty high with, um, with the elderly. Uh, it's very, very low, like almost none with kids, which is great for the kids. It's great that kids aren't getting sick. The kids feel great and are going around spreading it everywhere because kids are the dirtiest people. Like children are dirtier than everyone else. They put their hands in their mouths and they go and touch everything. And, they, and and because they feel fine and their parents think that they're fine, you know, they're running around and, and incubating and, 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 and making each other sick, which is why I think all the schools should already be shut down. Like why that hasn't happened already, I don't know. Because they're just, that might as well be a diamond. Every single one of those schools is a diamond princess cruise, as far as I'm concerned. Every single one of those freaking kids is going to get it. So, <laughs> fun stuff, guys. And with that, I'd like to invite you to, or I'd like to thank you for joining me on this episode, this amazing episode where we talked about freaking abortion, age of consent, 
and disease. Just a cheerful episode, guys. Um, so I'm going to be this weekend, speaking of not being around people, this weekend I'm going to be at the Libertarian Party of Virginia uh, convention, hand bumping. I'll be hand bumping. I can be doing a lot of personal touching. Uh, but I will be there um, representing the Vermin Spike 2020 campaign for Team Supreme. So if you're going to the LPVA convention, be sure to come out and say hi to me. Get a little fist bump, maybe even just a nice nod. Maybe just not even touch it. Just give me a nice nod. We'll just nod, maybe a nice namaste. Do a nice namaste for each other. I see you and do not want us to touch each other. And then be sure to check us out on Tuesday uh, for the Muddy Waters of Freedom, where Matt Wright and I parse through the week's events and cover the newest round of Bernie getting screwed out of the nomination by the Democratic National Convention. And then uh, tune in next week on Wednesday for My Fellow Americans, where I will be continuing this, uh, uh, parsing through the, going through the Libertarian Party platform. And I definitely know where I left off, because it was abortion. So thanks again for tuning in, guys. Great to have you. Oh, Chris Reynolds. I've already fallen on the sword, Chris. Chris Reynolds is bringing up the fact that I initially said that we had nothing to worry about when it came to this virus. I was wrong. I was wrong because I assumed that it had a similar virality, a similar way that it spread as SARS and MERS, the other main novel uh, coronaviruses that we've experienced. But a lower fatality rate. Based on that, I thought, well, it'll be easy to contain. Because if someone has symptoms, they get contained. This one's a lot different. It stays alive longer outside of the body, and you can spread it without having symptoms. So, that's a problem. So I was wrong about that. I was right overall about what I said past that. Wash your hands anyway. Don't be dirty. And you're still, again, I will still say this, you are more likely to die of a whole lot of other stuff. So if you're eating a bunch of comfort food right now to make you feel better about this coronavirus outbreak, you are contributing to the thing that's more than likely to kill you, which is heart disease. So, or if you're smoking more because you're worried about coronavirus, first of all, you're weakening your immune system, which will make you more susceptible to coronavirus. Second of all, you're more likely contributing to the thing that's much more likely to kill you, which is cancer. So, I was right overall about how you should react to this. I was wrong about how serious it was. Because I was making assumptions based on what other coronaviruses were like in terms of what it could spread. But I'm still saying the same thing in terms of what you should do. Don't panic. Get some supplies. Stop touching your face. Unless you've already washed your hands. Wash your hands. Sanitize your hands when you're out and can't wash your hands. If you've touched something, sanitize your hands. If you touch another person, sanitize your hands. When you can get to somewhere to wash your hands, wash your hands. These are all good ideas. Maybe don't eat food that's been prepared by strangers. Like, these are all good things that I already was doing. Because I apparently am OCD and didn't realize I'm apparently a freak. Because I've already been doing all these things. 
So who's laughing now, I guess. Anyway, guys, thanks again for tuning in. I will see you very soon. And God bless you.